Okay, welcome back to all you PJ Pod listeners out there. We are very excited to have you back this week for Pearl Jam's Black Circle Episode 7 already. Uh, I've had such a good time doing these, and hopefully you all are enjoying listening to our podcast and talking about our favorite band, who is Pearl Jam. My best bro is with me, as always. My partner in crime, the man with the master plan, Wes, are you there? Hey, yes, I'm here. Hi, welcome. Yes, you sound amazing. Thanks, thanks. Let's jump right into it, man. Tell us what we are doing today, and I think you got some supplemental uh, announcements for our listeners, right? First off, just to this is just a fun, such a fun hour of our our week. I'm just looking forward to this every single time we do this. So thank you again. Yeah, uh, we we wanted to connect a bit. Uh, we've been doing these. What this is episode seven? You said so. I'm sure amongst the listeners, there's there's times where people want to interject kind of their thoughts on whether we do some of these games or some of their feedback on on their favorite tracks or their favorite albums, stories, et cetera. So we've opened up a, an email address to the podcast. So uh, feel free if there's any feedback or, again, any sort of things that you'd like to share to uh, Nino and I. It's podcastpjblackcircle at gmail.com, uh, and we will uh, – We'll maybe incorporate the feedback on the line. We are official yeah. and try not to bash us right. too hard. Remember, people, we are not professionals. We are complete novices just enjoying uh, some friend time to be able to get together and talk about our favorite band, talk about Ed, Jeff, Stone, Matt, Mike, Boom. And all their influences as well. So, yes, if you have ideas of uh, topics you'd like to have us to maybe potentially expand on, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And I think it would be a fun exercise to get some other folks involved. So, Wes. Speaking of other people getting involved, the, the topic of this week were, A, you know, we, we've noticed lately, not lately, but over um, several years, you know, Pearl Jam's been playing a lot more covers, uh, especially on live shows. And... So it's kind of controversial whether you like the covers or not. We spoke about it where maybe uh, some people just don't want to hear any cover. They just want to hear Pearl Jam songs at shows. So I'd like to take some time today to go over some of your favorite covers and then possibly what influences those bands have done to the band. And, and we'll see where that goes today. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Controversy, I guess that's one way to put it because we had sp- spoken in some past episodes that Fans want to go to Pearl Jam concerts and enjoy Pearl Jam music. Now, a lot of folks want to just hear Pearl Jam play their songs and are not very fascinated with uh, covers that they are doing. But I think, honestly, the majority of folks that go to concerts and enjoy live music really will partake in... Uh, the covers that Pearl Jam is doing and sing along with them. They know the songs. It's not like they're super obscure, right? right? They're pretty known songs. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing a lot of songs from extraordinarily famous musicians and famous bands. So odds are you have heard these songs before. So I personally have kind of always been a fan of cover songs. I think it kind of started early on when I got this tape or CD there was this huge uh, concert that took place in Russia. And this was in the 80s. So this was kind of at the time where 
there was still a lot of tension between the U.S. and the USSR, and there was a whole consortium of butt rock bands that went over to the Soviet Union and did this huge show. It was like Bon Jovi, Metallica, and Skid Row, and I don't think Black Sabbath was there, but a lot of just hair bands went over there, and the CD actually compromised excuse me, comprised of a lot of cover songs. So at the time I was like, oh, well, you know, I I really was enjoying some stuff that uh, some of these bands were doing. And as time went on, I really started to enjoy more and more bands do different cover songs. And it was just interesting to me who would choose what song and who would choose what to play. So when Pearl Jam does cover songs, and when Eddie does a lot of cover songs during his solo shows, it's really cool. I, I, I really appreciate more and more as time goes on how they will take certain songs and try and twist it and make it their own. And so it's just it's pretty cool. It's cool to see who these guys' influences are. You can hear it in their music. Obviously, Pearl Jam and Eddie, it's well known. Obviously, they got The, the Who, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen. Tom Petty, right? Those are going to be some of the main ones that you will always have. But then you've got the Beatles and you've got Bob Dylan. And so you're going to see a lot of very, very famous artists and bands that uh, the boys will play. And some super obscure ones that I didn't even know were covers and I just thought were Pearl Jam songs. So before I kind of go into some of the ones that really stand out to me. I know you had done a little bit of homework and we're going to bring something to the table that I'm very interested to hear. So So this is more of a, I think we debated on this on a, either it was offline or not, but it was the mirror ball and Merkin ball timeline with Neil Young. Right. So you left, you left Neil off of the, the kind of the inspiration list, but we all know how much, Neil and, and Ed and the band get along and and this isn't quite maybe um, indicative. Well, of course, one of their top covers they play is from Neil Young, of course. But um, I listened to the near uh, Mirrorball album for the first time, and I gotta say, you know, it was I was going into it, and I my first listen was this is a Neil Young, this is a Neil Young album, and I can, I mean, okay. which is not a bad thing. I, I love Neil Young, I love his voice. But then the more sure. I listened to it, the more I could kind of pinpoint kind of where Stone is and hear some Jeff in there. And honestly, I was pretty much geeking out on it all week. Like I was upstairs doing laundry, just listening to <laughs> listening to Mirable. And I was like, this is a really good album. Why have I not, why have I done myself such a disservice by not listening to this in almost 20 some years of uh, it being out? But was really pleased, man. Uh, so I, I can, and then I was like, okay, one of the top covers I've, I had on my list, which was throw your hatred down. I didn't even realize it was a Neil Young song. It was on that album and it's it rocks so hard. And uh, it brings another appreciation to, to, to that cover. And honestly, it changed my mindset on covers because I was one of the ones who were like, hey, I'm okay with rocking in the free world. I'm okay with these ones that I know, but now like, I want to hear more covers because when I'm hearing Mirrorball and right. I'm pleased about it, I, I like the way it sounds. 
even today I was thinking, I wonder what it would sound like if Ed was singing these songs, how much better. Okay. Again, not dissing Neil Young by any means, but of course, how much better would these songs be if Ed was running the mic and then, you know, he gives us that chance when he does his cover. So again, I've taken a 180 on the covers. So uh, interesting. So you would definitely recommend the Mirrorball album to anybody that is a Pearl Jam fan. Obviously, my heart's telling me that most folks that are Neil Young fans have already heard this album right. numerous times over. But like myself, again, that's why we do this podcast. So I can not only just up my Pearl Jam mm-hmm. game, but really up my musical appreciation for other types of songs that I've never heard before. And as I learn doing these exercises that we're doing, I'm learning more about what songs are actually not Eddie's songs or Pearl Jam songs that are covers. Cause there are a couple sneaky ones that Ed will do. And I'm like, Oh, what an awesome song, but it's not an Eddie Vedder song and it's not a Pearl Jam. Okay. Song. I want to hear what those are. Yeah. Okay, so before I go into that, you would definitely say I should listen to the Mirrorball. Yeah, for sure. sure. Again, you you your first if you don't have a uh, a taste for Neil Young's voice, you may have a hard time getting through the first listen because it's clean. Again, it's clearly Neil Young, but there's there's a handful of songs on there that you would be like, man, this this is, sounds really good. And then it got me to download Mirkinball, which I've always had, but I never really got into. And God. I just I think back when I was listening to Mirrorball and Merkaball at the same time, like Ed's voice was at such a at such the top of the of the charts in '95 when he's when I got Id is just unbelievably good. And if you don't even know it, it's like this is such a hidden gem that in '90 again. So one little quick thing about Mirrorball, like the whole band was doing it with with Neil in Seattle. They did they recorded in Seattle. Brendan O'Brien produced it, so the same guy produces all all Pearl Jam's albums. Awesome. Um, but Ed was supposed to like be a part of it more than just these side songs with I uh, I got Ed and Lost uh, or um, Long Road. But he was going through this stalker issue during oh, after Vitalogy goodness. into No Code with the whole Lunkin song. Uh, so he was like, I don't even want to leave my house. Uh, so he wasn't like doing anything. So he right. was just kind of, he was quarantined for, I don't know how long because <laughs> of this. I wonder if that's when he wrote in hiding or in my tree, you would have to imagine it's probably the time where he's doing right. <laughs> so, uh, it's just a shame that he, cause I'm sure he had stuff that he could have brought to that, that mirrorball album, but it, it's good. So take a listen. Yeah, good. I, I will check it out. So a couple songs that uh, I didn't know were not Pearl Jam songs or not Eddie songs as I was doing some research was uh, Throw Your Arms Around Me. I love that one. Right? I love that one. And I thought that was just a Pearl Jam or an Eddie song just because if I hear them doing it, I'm not taking a significant amount of time to go research where that song is from. So I actually this morning learned that that is not a Pearl Jam song and that is not an Eddie song. That is a song from this band called Hunters and Collectors that are from Australia. And so when I watched their original video 
It was it was really good. It was really good. And I can see why Eddie would take that song and kind of make it his own. So I was really surprised that that song was. <laughs> yes, I've, one from, from I've the seen voice, that. I've right? seen a video of that where it's Ed and just a lead singer doing some acoustic of that. That's awesome. I got to say, again, I think Ed outshines out him mostly on that one, but um, at the, the original artist, but it's still, it's great. It's really great. I think what's fun about what Eddie, the songs Eddie chooses and the songs that Pearl Jam does is that, of course, for you and me, say if we're going to build an all-star band, mm-hmm. we're probably going to pick Eddie Vedder first draft choice rocking the mic. I mean, we're totally biased. And of course, we're going to do that. So when as time has gone on, and I've seen Eddie do more and more covers with different bands, or go up on stage with other bands that were influences to him, it it really just gives me a whole new appreciation for his skill set and what he can do. Because you know, when Eddie's singing, it, it certain Pearl Jam songs, it gives you goosebumps, mm-hmm. right? It gives you the mm-hmm. chills. And then when he's singing with other bands, I remember the first time I saw him go on stage with Tom Petty in a video, you know, Tom brings them out and they start doing the waiting. So I love that song. And I'm just like, man, this is phenomenal. And how much of a confidence bu- builder that could have been for Eddie at the time to, I have my idols are bringing me on stage to be a part of what they're doing. And I also think about when the Rolling Stones brought Eddie on stage to do Wild Horses. And and that's why I think my appreciation for Eddie branching out and doing other things with other bands, doing covers, doing his solo projects have really given me a huge appreciation for his evolution of his songwriting and his guitar playing. Mm-hmm and his overall musicality has been fantastic. So anyway, back to what I was saying. So uh, throw your arms around me. Now, I always knew Masters of War was not a Pearl Jam song, but I never knew it was a Bob Dylan song. And I got my head up my rear, and I am sorry to all those Bob Dylan fans that are just like, dude, you suck. How do you not know this is Bob Dylan? But the first time I heard that was during the Ben Royal Hall show. They're so smart, man. Not only are they great job, Pearl Jam that is, at playing cover songs, but it's it seems like every time they bust out something at a certain time in Pearl Jam's evolution, it's like the most perfect time mm-hmm. or the most perfect song based on what's going on in the world or the kind of venue that they're playing. So I love that song. And that's just another cover that made me appreciate where it actually came from. Yeah. Does yeah. If sense? you, um, right. If you wanted to stay at that Benaroyal Hall show, um, I pulled one from there too, which I'm not a big Ramones fan, but there, can I just smack? I'm smacking you through the virtual <laughs> airwaves. So, God, you need to get to your punk rock, bro. <laughs> uh, so I know how big an influence the Ramones are to Ed, uh, and the band, but, I did have I Believe in Miracles uh, on the list. Yeah. And that would have been so the, the slow down, the acoustic version of that, which um, is terrific. It's absolutely terrific. Right. Right. I have that on my list okay. too. And so the first time I heard 
that live at a Pearl Jam concert when they were covering that. I was like, yes, dude, so awesome. Now, what's been fascinating is when Pearl Jam is doing some of these cover songs, I have to kind of decide, is it better than the original? Mm-hmm. Is it not as good as the original? It's just kind of the natural natural mindset. Like, oh, no. I mean, it was okay, but I still like the original better. So when I hear Pearl Jam doing Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, and they've been yeah. doing that a lot lately. It's on my list. The way that they do it, it's just very clean, and it sounds just like pink floyd in the aspect of how the arrangement is done the tempo that they're playing with obviously it's not roger waters singing the song and it's not my most favorite pink floyd song i have a lot of others that i would put ahead of that but when they do play it it's such a great rendition it's 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 clean you know it's pink floyd song you know pearl jam's covering it and I do enjoy listening to that song. So it's not my most favorite cover that Pearl Jam's doing, but I think it's one of the best musically produced covers. that. Yeah. Done. And I didn't ask permission to tell a story, but I'll tell it anyway. My father is, uh, is old, is in his sixties. So he grew up in the seventies and he listened to Pink Floyd and, and uh, Led Zeppelin and all these, of course, these older bands. And he had heard the first time when, and Pearl Jam recovered, or at least Ed came out. I think it was doing, uh, did Comfortably Numb when they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or something like this for Pink Floyd. And he had, remember, I remember telling him, telling me that it was, he gave him chills because he'd never heard anything as good as that, which was Ed singing Comfortably Numb. And again, it's like, this is what makes me think, is what interjecting Eddie Vedder into these songs, making them better? I think yes, without a doubt. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> No, that thank you for sharing that. And the more and more you tell me about your dad, the more and more I almost would rather talk to him than yeah, you. Probably on here would because of all of the awesome hard yeah. rocking that he does. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But I do. I would love to I'd love to talk to him and just chop it up. One day yeah. when life comes back around, we'll all meet somewhere for a Pearl Jam show. It will be a glorious moment and it's gonna be like the band getting back together. Okay. It's gonna be so great. So one one <laughs> obvious cover that i'd like your take on because this one i think has some controversy to it too where like if you ask a novice music fan say hey do you you like pearl jam and they would say yeah i love that song last kiss i know i know where you're i know your face i see it like even if you go to spotify you say play pearl jam it's gonna be like the second song is gonna be last kiss it's crazy? crazy to me because okay first first observation is it reiterates everything i've said which is that song is not a bad song. I actually like Last Kiss. It's it right. sounds really, really beautiful. And I think I've heard the original, which is so like kind of uh, Buddy Holly kind of sound to it. So um, mm-hmm. clearly I, uh, I enjoyed the the rendition that Pearl Jam does. But um, what's your take on Last Kiss? Because I think it's a hate, love or hate within the Pearl Jam community. And I hate it, to be honest. I love it, but I hate it at the same time. <laughs> I, I, I'm right there with you. It's it's not my most favorite cover. I liked it when I first kind of heard it because at the time, the this seemed to me kind of be a little bit early on when Pearl Jam started doing covers and there might have just been a stale time where there wasn't any new PJ music coming out. So I was like, yes, cool. All right, something new. 
but I to me it did feel dated and and that's just a byproduct of the era that it came from and the music and the song that they chose so if it's on I don't I can live if I need to forward past that song you know I'm not gonna lose sleep over it so I'd say I don't hate it but it's it's nothing I would choose. I didn't even put Do it on my list. Do you hate that it's so popular or at least it was so popular? Cause I think it was like a, a number in the top 10 on the billboard charts for a long time. It was like one of the most popular Pearl Jam songs for a long time. Well, here's what I think is when you have this kind of grunge era movement coming out early to mid nineties, and you look at a lot of the crowd that's in at the shows. It's not 50-50 male and female. It's it's heavier on the male side. Like now it's way more even when you go oh, to yeah. Pearl Jam shows. Oh, I mean, yeah. You got families and you got groups of girls, groups of guys. But in the beginning, it was not so much like that. And I think that's just either part of the music or just... The fact that it was just, I don't know if they were just speaking to the 18 year old male, because that's kind of where Eddie's coming from with a lot of his angst. Obviously, you know, he's a guy, he's writing about a lot of stuff he's experienced. So it might connect to the male audience a little faster than the female audience. So when Last Kiss came out, when I was talking to a lot of my friends that were female, they're like, oh, man, I really like that song because it's got kind of this love story mm-hmm. incorporated into the song. So by that, when you have that type of lyrics and that type of text going through there, the audience, I think, is going to get broader. It's going to get yep. broader. It's going to expand yep. and will lend itself to being more popular because you're going to be having more people okay. listening to it, not just. 19 year old sweaty dudes in a mosh pit. Does that, that make makes sense? sense? It makes sense. Right. And again, not to, to take too much time on last kiss, but it did serve its purpose. Like you said, and it was a, and I don't even know if they play it all that frequently at live shows. I have never heard it live, but um, maybe once. Yeah. Maybe once I heard it, but not, not too yeah. much. It doesn't seem like any, I don't look on a lot of Pearl Jam forums, but I don't really see a lot of requests for that right. song to be played yeah. live. Yeah. In my opinion. So when I'm looking at one of the covers that gave me chills, it was a song I had never really heard before until I heard Pearl Jam do it. This is another one of those songs. So this was, I know, a big story for the band in 2000 when they were like, okay, we're going to play some Mother Love Bone at the show, right? We're going to do the 10-year anniversary in, in Vegas, Vegas. And, yeah. and unload um, Crown of Thorns, mm. which was the first time I heard that. I was like, where has this song been my whole life? It's just amazing and fantastic and very gracious for like Jeff and Stone to say, OK, we're kind of ready to do this song because I think it brought a whole new inspiration to the band to be able to give them permission to start to venture out and, and bring these types of songs being that covers into their repertoire and into their arsenal when they're doing live shows. So when I first heard crown of thorns, I immediately went to go look at the, and listen to the mother love bone song. And 
I liked it equally yes, as well. I think good. the Eddie one was still my favorite, mm-hmm. but I was like, wow, this is really great. And it was my first time giving a listen to Andy Wood. And there was just something about that guy. And I didn't really know anything about him. I didn't really at the time. I don't think I made the connection between that song and Temple of the Dog just because I was just kind of in my infancy of being a Pearl Jam fan. So I wasn't I was just ignorant to the fact. But I was like, man, this guy's got something. And then a couple years later, when they decided to put Chloe Dancer and do the full song and do that kind of start to finish Chloe Dancer leading into Crown of Thorns, I was like, I got to see this live. And I remember the first time I heard it live, I I was tripping, dude. It was so awesome. And it's just that whole song is just an amazing ride. Crazy lyrics, insane story to that particular song. So it definitely strikes on a lot of different levels as far as the topic that they're tackling in that song and the musicality. It's just an amazing mix. I'm so glad you brought this one because I was watching... I was told you a few episodes ago that my first, like the Madison Square Garden show that I watched a million times, they played Crown of Thorns, yeah. and they played it in right. the in the second set opening or the third set. Uh, second, it's it towards the end of the show, and I was like, "This is awesome! This is absolutely awesome!" Right. And I felt the same exact way. And then I remember I was listening to like XM Series Radio one time on a long drive. And I was Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam radio, and they played the whole thing, Chloe Dancer, but it was the uh, Mother Love Bone version. I was like, oh my God, this is Chloe Dancer into Crown of Thorns. Like that is art. That is beautiful. And, and you're giving me chills because I, we, I think I was at that same show in Seattle where they played Chloe Dancer, uh, Crown of Thorns Mm -hmm. in Seattle. And it was just epic. And I love hearing it. Um, I've been listening to Mother Love Bone. Um, they have a few other good songs I liked was um, This is Shangri-La. Yeah, right. it's a good one. Absolutely. But man, I love Chloe Dancer. So thank you for telling me that one. That was That's great. The, cr- the crowd loses their mind when they start playing that shit. Oh. They just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of songs like that. And, and it's around that singles era. Like, you know, you brought out I've Got Yes. Kids from the Merkin ball and, and, and thank you so much for clarifying the difference between Merkin ball and mirror ball. Cause I know last episode we were like, what, which one's yeah. which again? So uh, that was good that you, that you brought that to the forefront. So with, I got id the first time I heard little diddlings of that was from the singles movie. Ah, and that I had never heard that song before I watched the singles movie. And I think, a huge reason I like that movie so much. One, it is, it is a very good movie. It takes place in Seattle. You know, I was living here at the time when that movie came out. So, you know, where a lot of those particular places are, but obviously the music makes that movie. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Crowe is so awesome in the movies that he makes. Cause he's such a huge music fan that when he put the, the, the musical score together for that, it was a lot of really obscure, Pearl Jam songs, Alice in Chains songs, a lot of uh, Seattle music that was not the most popular. He's not putting Even Flow in there, right? And he's not putting Alive in there. And he, 
Right? And he's not putting man in the box in mm-hmm. there and things like that. So that was the first time I really heard that because it's kind of in this segue in- intro of like the second act of that movie mm-hmm. when that comes up. So it's just like a little yeah. snippet. It's just the guitar portion. I'm like, I just love yeah, the notes. And then it became one of my favorite yeah, songs. Is. So, yeah. okay. So I got one that was similar to um, where I thought this was a Pearl Jam song forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, I would um, there was a local college music uh, radio station where I, they would have at eight o'clock in the morning. I would be driving in a, to school. They'd have they called the Pearl Necklace. They'd have three consecutive Pearl Jam songs. So I'd always like try to just catch those three right before and run to class before I was like eight fifteen, go to, go to my first first class. <laughs> and they had played Crazy Mary, and I was like. I don't, I can't find this. I can't find this on any record or any, anywhere. And I just absolutely just fell in love with that song. And it's so kind of, it's deep and it's, it's kind of disturbing a bit and it's, but it's it's so beautiful. Um, And I just always been a fan of that. And I don't, I don't even know who even is the author of that song. I think, I think I read it was, uh, Victoria Williams, maybe I don't know. Don't quote me on that. So, if you know anything about Crazy Mary, I'd love to hear more about that because every time I hear in the and they play it all the time, it's a it's a huge staple for their shows. And Boom is it's like a big um, chance for him to kind of let the let the solo go for for him. But what are your thoughts on Crazy Mary? Well, um, so it's Victoria Williams. Okay, right, right, excellent. So you nailed it. Had no clue who the who she was um, until Eddie started doing this song. So I guess that's also another thing that I love is I like all kinds of music and I'm really trying to expand, especially since I'm stuck at home, all different types of songs and artists that I've never listened to or heard of before. So another thing that I love about Pearl Jam and about Eddie one of about a trillion things is that they are expanding my mind to songs that I would have never listened to before and artists I would have never heard of had it not been for them to do that. So honestly, I could not name another Victoria Williams song. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Victoria. I'm sure you are amazing. But when I heard the first time I heard Crazy Mary, it's just catchy. The whole thing so catchy. catchy. And every time I hear that song, <laughs> I'm like, please, God, one day can I be in the front row so I can Uh, drink wine from the same bottle that I don't even care about germs anymore, dude. It's like if you put me in there and if you're passing it down, Uh, like now they're giving out little solo cups and like filling people's. But hey, man, back in the day, you were passing that bottle down the whole front row. And I'm like, I need that in my life. I just need to know. what that wine tastes like. It's like drinking the magic elixir, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what is in that secret sauce. And so every time I hear that song, I think about God, what would it be like to be in the front row and, and get down on some of that action. So that's, that's where my head goes when I hear that. And I do love that song. One cover that I couldn't get enough of is from a band that has been around for decades. And I was always a fan of this band not as big of a fan as Eddie is. So it's when they do the who's love rain or me. And this 
for me is one of because you talk quite a bit about where Eddie's voice mm-hmm. is, right? Where it is now versus where it is before being able to just kind of gut out these intense. That's a big note in that song. It's a big note, right? And so this for me is one of the last moments when I, I remember his voice really having this sustained guttural, just crazy feeling coming out. And it, I, I just couldn't get enough of that. I just kept listening to it and listening to it. And it just, it rocks. Mm-hmm. I just love hearing that. I I was lucky enough to go see The Who probably about 12 years ago at Key Arena. And this is the time, you know, it's pretty much just Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. And then they've got whoever else is going to be in the current band. So at least, you know, and I know a few Who songs, but I knew that's when they played Love, Rain, or Me. I knew it even better because of Eddie. And... I have and I love me some Roger Daltrey and I appreciate everything the who has done for music, especially the music they were writing at the time in history. They're writing these songs is just it's insurmountable as far as their contribution to the musical landscape at the time in the 60s. But when I was hearing Roger Daltrey sing it and give this dude props, because at the time he's probably late 50s doing this, I was like, I was like, fuck, dude, Eddie sounded so much better when he was doing this song. You know, it was awesome. So anyway, um, that's another one where, yes, Eddie does make the song sound better, in my opinion. And hey, man, there's going to be folks out there that don't jive with Eddie's voice and and may not therefore jive with Pearl Jam. And that's probably okay. Odds are not a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this podcast anyway. But because he has so much range and even if his range is not quite where it used to be five, even eight years ago, dude, don't stop. Keep slaying, throw me covers, give me some inspiration of some people that I would have never thought of to listen to before. And that's what I just really appreciate Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. it. Now I I agree too. Um, Love right over me is, I think they even had a movie um with adam sandler that that kind of was a big um yeah i kind of avoided yeah, that it one was, just because of the topic it was right. around like 9 yeah. 11 and stuff and i just that was just still such a raw nerve that i'm like i i can't i don't know if i'm ever gonna watch that movie um just based on the the premise and the storyline of that because i was watching that live on tv i was actually in michigan at the time when that was going on watching it on this very small TV and on my grandma's kitchen mm-hmm, yeah. table. And I, I was calling back to Seattle and be like, cause I'm on East coast time. Right. right. And I'm like, you guys need to wake up and go and like, check out the TV and see what's going on. Cause like shit's going down. And so I think because of that, yeah, I'll never catch that movie, but I'm glad that PJ has their contribution to that. So yeah, if I was, if I they had to twist my arm to watch it, it would just be like, just forward me to the part where the song is. Is it in the credits? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I think just it like, is. Give me I that think part. it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll give two more for me because uh, we've covered all the other ones that uh, a lot of us kind of overlapped here. But um, I had never heard this song before until the Madison Square Garden uh, Sonic Reducer. So they play Sonic Reducer all the time, and that yeah. is such. 
that's probably the one punk song which I really like. Really get into. It's got it. Attaboy. Yeah, get it. And I've never heard. I think it's the Buzzcocks that is. Uh, the, it is the Buzzcocks. So I've never yeah. heard the original. So I, but I don't even know if I want to hear the original because then it would that would make me <clears throat> make me think even more so that Ed is elevating the song. But but it's <laughs> yeah. super good, uh, especially when they play that towards the end of the song. Usually it's like the last song core. And then another one they are a very very commonly play, which is a Neil Young song. And it gets played over and over, but I still think they rock it, which is the uh, Rocket in the Free World. Again, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, it's been worn out. I don't need to hear that. But it's almost transformed into a Pearl Jam song. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they just play it. That's almost like theirs. I'm waiting for the day. Maybe one day I'll get lucky. Maybe I'll see him in Cal, see Pearl Jam in California. Or maybe Neil's in town. I would just, I would lose my mind if Neil just walked out on stage. I got to see that. Because I definitely have seen that played uh, quite a few times live. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a great cap. It is a great capper. A lot of their shows because three chords in the truth, baby, that's all they're doing. Right. And they're just that's crushing right. that song. It's easy to play. And Mike usually has a really good yeah, dude. On and one. it's just like the crowd's going nuts. That's when they turn the lights on and you can just see how many just millions and millions of fans are out in the stadium which is totally cool (laughs) and so i definitely get off when they uh when they play that since you brought up sonic reducer i'm gonna throw in uh kick out the jams and i love me some kick out the jams i especially love when mark arm from mud honey comes out and is duetting because i did see a couple shows where mud honey opened up for Pearl Jam. So I actually mm-hmm. got to see them a few times. And again, I'm just like, damn it. How have I not gotten any Mud Honey albums before this? And why don't I know more about these guys? Because, dude, Mark Arm can freaking shred the microphone. That guy mm-hmm. has an amazing voice. And and it, is he, he's a Seattle. Yeah, native, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Mud Honey's local yeah, for yeah. sure. And yeah. so. You know, I've heard uh, I also do like Rage Against the Machines version of Kick Out the Jams. So that's a very that is a very heavy screaming song, because when Zach De La Roca sings that song, dude, he's freaking awesome. So that's why I'm like, I'm glad they would bring Mark Arm in there to do a lot of that really just punk rock shredding the mic. So kick out, kick out the jams, mother trucker. (laughs) So so one one last point on. <clears throat> from my side maybe on this is you mentioned the duets when Mark Arm comes out or some of the openers come out. So what do you think about Ben Harper? Because I've seen a few and I keep going back to the Madison square show where he comes out and does daughter mm-hmm. and at the very end and indifference. Yeah. Um, oh, and he says it, he says it. And I, I listen to that daughter song all the time and that show specifically where he's like, this is the greatest band in the world. <laughs> yeah. And like, I have that down. Like every, like the second he's going to say, I'm like, I'm just belting out. Cause I'm like, thank you, Ben. Like, and I actually like Ben, but I think he's, I think he brings a lot to the table, especially I think he did the, uh, they intermingled one of his songs into that, which was really yes. great. But I do like when Ben Harper comes out. That, that's a nice little he treat. is a virtuoso and he's kind of uh in my top five of vinyl albums i want to start expanding to so i've purposely not really 
uh, been looking at a lot of Ben Harper over the past couple years because I'm like, I'm just going to get some vinyl and I just want to hear it kind of for the first time with my headphones on and get into that. So I have his very first album um, that's got Burn One Down on it. It's uh, just an awesome party smoking song. Mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, I have his one that kind of came out during that during that time where he did that Madison Square Garden show. I want to say it's Diamonds in the Sky is the name of the album. And I know I'm completely messing that up. So I really like when Ben Harper is playing the slide guitar on Red Mosquito. Mm hmm. Uh, right the, yes so he yes. busts out that slide guitar and the first time i saw him doing that i'm like dude this guy's got music he's he can he jam can totally jam. jam i would love to see ben harper jack johnson eddie vetter kind of campfire trio just they should uh, call it like campfire <laughs> sessions or whatever just like yeah, three of them yeah. with their acoustics and just like jam for like an hour i would i would love to hear something like that do you think do you think a guy like Jack Johnson or Ben Harper or do these like really how do they because there's there has to be like this hierarchy within the like let's say actors have this hierarchy like they all know like Brad Pitt or or um, Leonardo DiCaprio or yeah yeah like yeah like do they all do they all, they all look at Ed and be like okay we know where you <laughs> are we're down here like do they have that in their brains or do they think they I have to I have to imagine over the years that Ed has just commanded so much respect within the, that kind of community that when they go on stage together, they're like, OK, let once you lead Ed and then I'll I'll follow up to me. It, it feels like and again, I don't I don't know these people. Right. I don't spend personal time with Eddie Vedder. How amazing that would be. The, the short, lucky time I had that I got to meet him. It was, it was kind of like make a wish foundation. It's like, if you could do anything or meet anybody, that would be my make a wish foundation. I'll be like, yes, can I just hang with Eddie for like two hours and do whatever? I completely lost my train of thought. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't see Eddie as trying to like demand that I don't see him as I am head of the table, right? Mm -hmm. I am the one that right. will show you all the way. I just have this sixth sense like they're they're all bros. They all know each other. They help each other out when they need help. They're friends. I can only imagine the reverse of that is when Eddie like imagine imagine looking up to a band so much and you know how to perform and you're in music and you can sing and you can play guitar where the first time you go out on stage with your idols and you're actually going to sing one of their songs Imagine oh. what Eddie's going through the first time he goes up on stage with Bruce Springsteen or goes up on stage with the who, and he's actually going to mm -hmm. sing with Tom Petty. I mean, he looks like he's calm, cool and collected, but man, my heart would be going like a freaking jackrabbit. And it's cool. You brought up the duos, you know, because you you've seen over the past 10 years, Eddie pop up and just doing these random, really cool collaborations with different artists i remember when i saw him at one of the festivals out in new york he was doing this really awesome song with chris martin i think he was doing don't dream it's over which is a really awesome 80s song and chris martin's on the on the piano eddie's on the electric guitar and i really remember enjoying that original song but again ed doing his thing right now I'm like, yeah, the song is so awesome. I why haven't I listened to this in like 10 years? Right. <clears throat> so when I see him 
go up on stage and do stuff with even with Bono and going up on stage with U2 mm. when like U2 comes to town and he's getting up there and and doing uh they usually do what's that song uh, mothers of the disappeared which is a song i want to say that's off uh rattle and hum and it's just so great so anytime ed can come out on a concert and that's maybe like secretly while i go to like lo- local shows i'm like there's this very small chance maybe eddie will come <laughs> out and I'll just be like, yeah. yes, it was totally worth it to drive all the way to the Tacoma Dome for whatever concert, as long as he comes <laughs> out for a minute, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's not going to Tacoma Dome. Yeah, no. maybe once in a while. <laughs> maybe once in a while. Do you have things that you've seen that you've really liked where Eddie's just kind of popped up or done a, a, a collab with someone? You're like, wow, I never would have thought I would have ever heard that. That was it's a strange choice, but I thought it was cool. Um, no. Um there was a pop-up song, I guess, um, at the Wrigley show he did, he did a Jack White song, which was great. Yes. We are going to be friends probably. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. That was, yeah which I really like that yeah. one. That's good. That's well, look good. at how so. varied he is, right? Yeah. Right. Jack White, Roger Waters, Bob Dylan, right? Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Like I was totally shocked when I heard, cause I was doing a little research the past couple of days he did this really cool rendition with Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age and the Strokes. And they did Marvin Gaye's Mercy, Mercy Me. And I was like, when the hell did they do this? Song? It was like from like 2013, but it was totally awesome, of course. Right. And then right. when I hear Eddie doing some Johnny Cash, yeah, doing Johnny, like Ca- I didn't know he did. uh a little bit of Johnny Cash, but he also, when he busts out some Beatles, I love it when he does Blackbird. Mm-hmm. I love it when he done does That's great. John Lennon's Imagine. And I didn't even know that Eddie did back in 2012. He busted out Nine Inch Nails song Hurt that Johnny Cash redid a couple years after that. So just hearing Eddie on the guitar, just doing his own acoustic to that song. Was it the Johnny Cash version of, of Hurt? It was kind of it was kind of like that. It was it was a good mix of a little bit of Nine Inch Nails and a little bit of Johnny Cash. I mean, that's okay. a Nine Inch Nails song, right? I actually like Nine Inch Nails version of it better than Johnny yeah, Cash's. Johnny. Oh gosh, that was a tough time. I mean, that was towards the end of his career and of his life. And boy, the way Johnny Cash sings it, man. I mean, it's just it's sad. It's super sorrow, it's sorrowful, super sorrow. yeah. and he makes you feel that song. And I, I guess that's a lot of, in a nutshell, what music is like for me. I like it when songs make me feel something. I like it when artists make me think. Um, mm-hmm. I like to be put in a place, I, more so, honestly, when it just comes to music, that I'm uncomfortable and I have to kind of work through what I'm hearing and what I'm listening to that's probably the only time I like to be put in a feeling of being uncomfortable is when it comes to music, you know? So um, it's, it's, it's just a really cool exercise and a really cool adventure. The way that Eddie and Pearl Jam will choose a lot of these cover songs and who they will choose to do like pop-up duets with. Like when I saw Eddie doing a duet with Beyonce and doing a cover of Bob Marley, I was like, that's a weird choice now guilty pleasure 
early Destiny's Child Beyonce. Yeah, no problem, bro. Yeah. All day long. I must have watched those videos a thousand times because, you know, I'm 18 and I was just like, yes, this is awesome. Shake it. You know what I'm saying? And Queen Bay, she's amazing. She is just an amazing performer. But to watch them do this really stripped down version of Redemption Song, I was, again, like something you mm. wouldn't usually choose or think that I, I would have never thought I would have heard Eddie do a Bob Marley song cover let alone in front of a hundred thousand people out on the great lawn in central park with Beyonce. I mean, it was just a, it was just a random weird thing, but again, he crushed it. It works. Yeah. He crushed it. I don't know it. how he, how does he do it, dude? How does he just, well, he's good, man. And, and I think again, just to kind of maybe wrap up, uh, because, um, we've gone over some really great topics and it's, again, I think for me this week, and even this conversation's kind of steered me to more appreciation of the covers. I, like Good. again, I, I think I was a little poo-poo Good. on the covers <laughs> early on, simply because I probably just you know, again geeking out on the Pearl Jam stuff. But I think it brings an extra extra layer of appreciation because you know how good they are and how good. And just again with Mirrorball, listen to it. I will and check it for sure. Pick out. Pick out the jams because you're going to have, there's going to be some good ones in there. But no, it's fun, man. This is a really good week because I really enjoyed uh, digging into some. Yeah, it was, yeah, doing the covers, not anything I would ever anticipated discussing uh, even a year ago before we started doing this. But what a fun way to get jacked up about some awesome music that maybe is not necessarily in our everyday wheelhouse. So I just, again, Really appreciate uh, Pearl Jam and really appreciate Eddie for unloading these songs and making us fall in love with a whole new music way of thinking. So it was good, brother. Well, much love until next time. Listen and see you next week. And next week is going to be a surprise. It's going to be awesome. So I can't wait. We'll talk to you all later.